Hi, and welcome to series two of my podcast on contract testing. It's been a long time, but I'm back. This time I was speaking with each guest about one topic and having an in-depth chat about it. All episodes will be linked to contract testing in some form, so I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we have Tobias Muller, Managing Director of Progile GmbH. We discuss open API specifications, the start of testresults.io, and autonomous testing. So let's get into the episode. So welcome, Tobias, and uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. Uh, so do you want to just give us a little introduction about yourself, who you are? Hey, thanks, and thanks for having me on the podcast, Lewis. So who I am? Uh, as you mentioned, I'm Tobias, the Managing Director of Progile, and we are um, the vendor of the test automation platform that closes the gaps that are currently in test automation is test results IO. And um, yeah, that's that's me. I'm a 42-year-old guy in IT. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like 90% of the people in IT. <laughs> yeah, it's always difficult to know what to say about yourself, isn't it? But yeah, so so test, test results.io, how did that come about? How did you start with that solution? Yeah, it was just... That was, that was more or less like built based on the need of having like an automation platform in a regulated environment. Mm-hmm. So like with the requirements of audit trails and stuff like that and approval processes. And that, that was the first part. And the second one is we wanted to give uh, testers a better experience than the tools that currently existed on the market back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of talks these days about artificial intelligence and autonomous testing. And somehow it brings me back to the beginning when we started. It's like... We have a lot of marketing and everybody tells you, yeah, we have self-healing testing, we have autonomous testing, and everybody actually knows that that, that it just doesn't work. Yeah. And um, what we wanted to do different is, is the thing that we actually lost the, the, the gaps in, in like in your daily business as a tester. So if you automate something, there's always these small pieces that don't work, which cost you a lot of month of time. And that is actually where we put our focus on. And, and that is how test results was born. Uh, cool. Yeah. So I guess there's lots of people coming about in the in the market saying those things, right? So I guess what does test results do differently than other platforms? Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So what you what you see on the market is like for one example. My best example is actually the self healing stuff. If you have like ID or CSS selector or XPath selectors based automation stuff. Mm-hmm. You usually see that they, they have self-healing claims. And in the end, if you look at it, it's just some part of LCS. So long as common subsequence, so part of dynamic programming, where you're like, okay, but it can find freaking any element. So how does that actually work in testing? Is that really self-healing? Or is that just, I take a random element and assume that's the correct one and all of the other stuff. And, and what we are looking at is like, how can you really how can you really test like a user? That's the first idea is like mm-hmm. that we really go only for visual cues. So we, we, we test the user interface based on, and the API based on, uh, based on visuals that we have. And that is in the beginning, it looks extremely simple because you're looking for an image and you need to click at, the, click at that position and that's it. But if you're really going into that, actually it's pretty difficult to open a drop down and select an element from a drop down by only having access to an image. Mm-hmm. And that is actually what we do different is like we give people high level access to user interfaces that while well, you only have an image. So we are completely mm-hmm. technology independent. And that, that, wow. that's a difference more or less. 
and it's easier to use. That's 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 the whole point on it, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot easier to use. It's like it is it is actually what we are. We are a bunch of testers and a bunch of developers, and the testers had problems, and the developers solved those problems. And uh -huh. it took like three years to to retune the 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 tool actually to ensure that that the daily life of a tester is actually something you want to have instead of like struggling. Yeah, and I think that that's what like looking around uh, and seeing and getting a demo of, of your platform. I think that was what really set it apart for me was the fact that it is separate from the code. It's not trying to kind of, yeah, guess what's happening. It's not tied to a specific um, framework. So I think, I think that's really, really clever in that respect. So as you say, as you say about the the day-to-day -day life of a tester, what does the day-to-day -day life of you as as the managing director look like? <laughs> yeah. Actually, perhaps we should we should put some context on that. So we are like a company of twelve employees. So I'm the managing director of eleven employees, <laughs> okay. and that means what? How, how does my life look like? Yeah, it's like um, what I'm doing, everything. So I'm finding new customers. I'm talking to investors. I'm doing also coding, I'm talking to peers, I'm browsing through LinkedIn, Twitter, and different private Slack channels to identify what the competition is doing right now, and stuff like that, looking at videos, challenges, and, and, and all of the, I mean, if you look at that, in a, in a single day, there are, I don't know how many hundreds of videos that are produced that show some new technique that you need to learn and, and understand, stuff like that, and yeah, and, and I think the most important part is actually, I'm making sure that, that I have one of the best teams in the world behind me because, as I mentioned, we are extremely small in comparison to all of, this, of the US-based companies and also of the European-based companies. And um, that is business critical for me to actually have the best people in my team. And to be honest and to say something funny, sometimes I even mop the floor. <laughs> but, but I guess that, 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 that is just a requirement. I mean, that, that is how you grow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds like yeah, you really get involved in, in every every part of it. So how how did you come into testing? How did you get into testing? What's your kind of backstory? And that that Lewis is an extremely interesting question. The funny part is like everybody's asking me that. But this time in the API context, I thought like, hey, how did I actually get into testing? Because I am a developer, so how did I get into testing? And then I thought about like, yeah, when was the first time I ever tested? And then I remember like, yeah, I came into a project where I had to do nothing else than writing unit tests for eight hours a day to an existing wow. solution. And they just didn't have any unit tests and there was no documentation and I had to write those freaking unit tests. And as you can imagine, it was like, like 12 years ago, 15 years ago, and there were a lot of static classes and a lot of what you would call these days untestable code. And mm -hmm. yeah, I had to somehow test it and the documentation was created while I tested it. So based on my questions, they actually created the documentation of the code. Like it, it, in summary, it was a mess, yeah. but I think that was the first time when I came into contact with, with testing. But in the end, mm. I wrote like firmware, because being a developer, you, you're looking for solutions, isn't it? And then I started mm -hmm. to use, um, um, I think it was called molds back or molds back then, where you could actually mock away static classes in the IL code behind and ensure that you can actually have your mock classes injected 
during runtime and I created a firmware simulator actually to simulate stuff that was impossible to replace and stuff like that. And, and the project became, became, became successful. And afterwards they asked me to take over another software project that was also mm -hmm. successful. And then they asked me to take one of their most critical projects over as a software project lead. And that was the first time when I actually get into contact with, with what you call verification and validation. So formal testing mm -hmm. and also end to end mm -hmm. testing. And, um, yeah, from there, the story unfolded itself. Somehow I was in touch with the, with the test and there was a, actually a brilliant tester and he is funny enough. He is still with my company now. So I, I took uh -huh. him, took him with me. and he, he was the one who actually, who actually showed me like what, what testing really means. And, and what you read in LinkedIn all day long, he, he was living that like 15, 15 years ago is really like talking to the developers, talking to the project managers, talking to customers, trying to identify how should the system work, trying to identify how is the system working, identifying the gap. Is it really a gap? Then confirming that's a gap or not looking for a documentation. And then in the end, actually extending the specifications based on his findings and, and all stuff like that. And that actually brought mm -hmm. me into, into the whole universe of testing. And funny enough, in the preparation for this, actually, I thought, and that's how, this is about API, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And, and that, that is this area. And I thought like, yeah, I mean, unit, doing unit testing is actually API testing. Perhaps I'm too old for the business. I, back when I started coding, it was like everything was an API. I mean, if you use a work, it has an API, that's it. And these days, mm -hmm. if people talk about API, I, somehow I, I need to remind myself they, they, they are referring to REST APIs and CraftQL and stuff like that. Yeah. But they don't get the they don't get the understanding that in, in programming actually you're always coding against an API. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've got to stick the computer somehow. Yeah. So yeah, going going back to your kind of first introduction to unit testing, that's perfectly segues into what we're going to be talking about today. So the topic is around open API documentation and you spoke about kind of the, the test driving that documentation. And so what do you think is the best way to kind of generate the, those API uh, specs? So some, some advertisement naturally with test results say, oh, <laughs> no, but what I would do, and, and that is, I, I guess that is, that is personal. That is personally me is more or less because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in code. So what I always do is I'm writing stuff code, like, like only having the class and having the functions in there and then putting all of the annotations in to generate a specification because I'm, I, I live code more or less. So that, that, I guess that only fits to me, to be honest. If you are asking what is the best way to generate API specifications, I would say like, what I always use is the most native tool to the language that I'm using. Mm -hmm. So right now we are using .NET um, six or seven or whatever is current, and they just have um, they just have a middleware for for Swagger, mm -hmm. and actually we use the annotations in there. And and what we are doing is, or what I'm doing mostly is like yeah, generating some stub code, putting the annotations in, and then getting the API specification generated. Nice, yeah, yeah, I think. Creating that skeleton is a really good way to to get started with it, and I guess that's the benefit of creating your documentation before you start implementing, right? So that you have uh, something where you have the the contract between 
what the API is uh, and who's going to be consuming it. Exactly. And I'm not the guy who says like something like the code is the documentation as, um, as I guess you hear it everywhere, yeah. but it's more or less like, no, I'm, I'm using the minimum of code to generate the documentation. And then, and the interesting part is actually, I mean, the documentation is interesting, but the, the, the more interesting part is actually taking that documentation and giving someone else to understand it. Mm. Because that is where the discussion starts and we, where you start refinement and where, you, where, where, where actually the real thinking process starts. So you do have your design of an API in mind and you can put that in the documentation, but in the end, actually you have customers. So other developers that, that will use that. And I think that's the more important part of the documentation than having the documentation itself is like the discussion about the documentation. Yeah. Sorry, what is your preferred tool actually? Yeah, no, no I'm completely on, on your side is using the native kind of tool and then yeah i talk about contract testing a lot so i'm very much for kind of creating that contract up front storing it in a place which is accessible by both parties and lives there right so it evolves yeah. as the products evolve um, it doesn't just live with the code and then someone sees it at a point in time and then it, and then it's out of date. So yeah, I think yeah. try and create those conversations up front, and then that's where that's what can drive the the building of the application. And, and I think you mentioned something important. Actually, the documentation needs to live mm. because that is that is what I had. One of my first customers is more or less like because the regulations required the documentation, and then the documentation was created, signed off, and done. Yeah, and that is somehow. I, I mean, there was no added value in that documentation like six months afterwards, mm -hmm. just zero. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly. an important point. And the, yeah, coming on to kind of the the final part is how how do you use? I think you touched upon this a bit earlier, but how can you use the the specifications to assist in in the testing activities? So specifically for Open API. It's more or less like, and, and I measured that beforehand, it's like, it's extremely powerful. It's, it, it, I looked at the numbers and it's more or less like doing 60% of your work. So having this, this open API specification actually gives you all of the calls, it gives you all of the data structure, and depending on the context provided, it gives you all of the error cases. It gives you so much information that you can take, pass, and generate out the test cases out of that that you could actually claim that you have autonomous testing for APIs in there, which is not the case, which is not, I'm not a marketing guy, which is not the case, but it would actually, that is far, far closer to autonomous testing than what everybody else claims actually on, on, on testing. And that is, that is why I love those, those, those specifications. Yeah. I mean, if you have a tool that does the correct interpretation of, of, of the open API or Svega specification, mm -hmm. that is, that is like, that's the hard part, isn't it? Like understanding those data structures of the API, how to call them, what to put in there. And, and you have all of that information readily available to you as part of the specification. Always, to be honest with that, is always depending on how much information is in the specification. Because if you read yeah. the standard, there's a lot of freedom. I can give you an open API specification that you can use for nothing in the end, mm -hmm. other than, than having the URLs actually for the call. So there's a lot of freedom in, in, in the standard, 
But if you you you, you provide the corresponding the required information, then then actually it takes a lot of work from you for, from from testing uh, for testing APIs. I mean, if if you can actually if you go to YouTube and and like search for for Postman tutorials or API testing tutorials, you can actually see them how they are typing in URLs at the top and how they are actually adding some JSON payload to the to their pot request or to the post request, and actually all of that is not needed. I mean, mm -hmm. the open API specification gives you all of that, and you can just you can just create the test cases out of that. Mm -hmm. So it, for me, it saves a lot of time. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to link link some things in in the show notes for where people can go for that stuff. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Any any other comments around open API specs or specifications in general? For the open API spec is like what I what I just mentioned. If you go through the standard and and you see that that it evolved somehow. I mean, you have the different versions, and most of the systems still use version two. Microsoft supports somehow version two and version three, but you need to specify it, and 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 that is that is something where you would would think like, is a clean cut required or not? I mean, most of the time you say like, no, we need to be backward compatible, but the problem on on, on the current kind of specification is like. There are so many variations of it where you can put endpoints in and where you can put additional information in. And, and I guess nobody's actually using the specification to its maximum. Mm -hmm. And it could be it could be much easier. Let's let, but that's always the case in development, isn't it? Like you start with specification one, in two, you put your learnings in, in three, you you try to be perfect. And at some point in time you restart with all of the learnings that you had, <laughs> and that is the perfect version and afterwards. And, for for the time being, so I think that is that is that that's my only comment on the open API specification. I love that it's there, and I love that it's out of Swagger, and and that it actually became a real specification that we can rely on, mm -hmm. and that we can use. And and I also and, and honestly, I also love Swagger UI, for example. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if that is advertisement or not, but but I love it that I can just generate. I, I do have a full client out of nowhere. I just give it a specification, and I do have the full mm -hmm. client. I mean, people talk about about rest assure and, and rest sharp and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, to give it a try, it, it's already there. You just need to enable the middleware, at least in .NET, uh, .NET 6. And mm -hmm. you can you just have it. You have a full web client that can actually correspond to your API, including OAuth, including base authentic, basic authentication, stuff like that. It's all in there. Mm -hmm. So that, that that is amazing. The combination of the specification and also this implementation of Swagger UI, that is... That is um, I would call it magic, but in the end, in my world, there is no magic. So I, I just love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe we we almost didn't mention the the Swag UI because I literally use that on a daily basis. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's really important. Cool. And so yeah, we you touched upon kind of the AI autonomous testing, and I know you're you're doing some um, events around that soon so yeah do you want to mention those yeah we actually i did one yesterday together with bus bus had, uh, had, had uh, some insights on mutation testing quite interesting and we are doing um i think on the 24th or 25th of april we are doing a webinar together with bus and it's more or less like a chit chat between two people that have their thoughts on autonomous testing because both of us see a lot of fuss out there and marketing buzz about Wow, we can do everything autonomous and stuff. It, it's like it's like Tesla 2017. 
history repeats itself. This time it's just testing. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, that that is that is what what uh, we're planning to do right now. Awesome. And I feel invited. That. Join. Everybody can feel invited. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely try and join. And Bass was on the first series of the podcast, so yeah, he's a he's a friend of the pod. So that's really great. So yeah, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. And Louis, I have to thank you to have me on your podcast, actually. And yeah, if if any of your viewers have any questions, contact me. Contact Louis. Absolutely. And if you have any insights, and, and by the way, if, if you feel, if you, and, and that is something I have to say in every podcast, I guess, if you feel offended by my opinions, please let me know. <laughs> you have every right to feel offended. You, you, can, you, have, you have, can have a completely different opinion. That's fine for me as well. Get in touch with me and let's have a discussion. I always, I always want to learn from, from, from somebody who knows better than I do. So how can, how can people get in touch? Like just send me an email at tobias.muller at projlch or search for Tobias Muller at LinkedIn. You'll find me. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lewis, once again.